Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. Today, I got a black belt third dam in Taekwondo, so he can kick my ass. But he is luckily also a doctor, medical doctor, so he's quite nice as well. He's an IT entrepreneur, actually a civil entrepreneur. He's also a best-selling author. He is one of the hottest names in Denmark at the moment when it comes to your mental health and so on. So you read about him in all the magazines. So it's a great honor to, uh, to have today with me Imran Rasid. Thank here. you very much. So Imran, how did you go from being a medical doctor and suddenly being an IT entrepreneur? Well, uh, it started out with, uh, like everything else, uh, <laughs> coincidental. Uh, I uh, attended um, a national tournament in foosball, mm-hmm. you know, the table soccer game, uh, like seven years ago. And um, I ended up, uh, team- I teamed up with a guy who was an uh, uh, engineer, an uh, IT dude. Real, a real geek, right? Yeah. And then we just started um, talking about, uh, I told him what I saw as big problems in the healthcare sector, where he just said, hey, why don't you guys just do use this and this type of technology, and then you'll be able to solve that problem. How hard can it be? And then I started thinking, hey, if it's that Im- easy to fix uh, <laughs> these problems that I'm talking about, uh, then we should like team up and create a make a startup and uh, like dive into this uh, problem and and try to solve it. Um, So, and this was like without me knowing anything about entrepreneurship. I didn't know what the, what a minimum viable product was or anything at all. Uh, I just thought, Hey, okay, so uh, let's build that thing that we want to do. And I think the first platform we built was uh, something like uh, we we thought that, okay, so Skype is a big thing and eBay is a big thing. Why don't we build a combination, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a big marketplace where, where anyone could sell their um, consultancy services online. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's a good idea, right? But uh, the problem was that at that point, uh, the only and the best technology to base this big platform on was um, uh, a technology formerly known as Flash, <laughs> yeah. which Steve Jobs chose to basically uh, put in the grave Um the year after we've built and, and put like $100,000 of my own money into uh, this project. And uh, that was basically my my first uh, big, um, fabulous uh, fuck up, so to say, <laughs> in, the, in the healthcare, uh, uh, in the IT uh, entrepreneurship uh, business. But that taught me a lot. And that's why I'm sitting here today. Yeah, I quickly learned that you can do a, a difference as a doctor for many people, but it'll be one patient, one consultation at a time. But if you want to make like the biggest difference for as many people as possible, then you need to understand technology. That yeah. was what I found out because as part of this journey, we also ended up standing in uh, Google's headquarter where I just like looked around and thought, hey, these guys are also making a difference for people, but they're like impacting like a billion people at a time. Yeah. And I want to do that as well. So that's why I just dive right into uh, how technology works and try to like hey, I will be able to prescribe technology and those kind of things. Yeah. So you're very much pro-technology, but you've also written a book called Offline. 
Yeah. Which talks about how we control technology. Yeah. So how does how does that work together? It's because um before being pro technology, I'm also pro human. Yeah. So my profession is to take care of uh, people who are struggling with biological, psychological, or social problems, and help them help themselves. Um, and uh, in this um, last five or six years, uh, while I've like dug deep into how technology works and how you can make it do th- th- stuff and uh, how the the like the the things behind the scenes like. Uh, Uh, how you can use Google Analytics to like retargeting and all the massive amount of uh, very behavior scary patterns. When you log into how much data is there and how much stuff they can actually do. Yeah, and and all the persuasive uh, behavior patterns uh, you can like uh, behavior design. Yeah. You can make a system where people can't ex- escape. Like Instagram. But, yeah, for instance, Instagram is one thing, right? Um, But what I was interested in also, because at one point I was um, um, headhunted to become uh, the uh, chief innovation officer in a big private hospital where I had uh, a split uh, position where I was uh, working as a doctor, regular doctor with patients, but also uh, oversaw the uh, technology that we had to like use to um, make the hospital, the digital transformation become better, etc., And it was at that point I started noticing that a lot of the patients that I saw, they had some problems, which were like um, always like something like sleep disorders, concentration problems, uh, trouble, um, unplugging, basically. I mean, they, they more or less, they, they, they were constantly on and the heads were spinning, those kind of things. And then it struck me at one time where I thought, hey, maybe this has got something to do with the way they use their technology. And it could have been, I mean, I could have stopped there with the concerns, but then I had to, something happened that made me, like I was forced to sit down and write a book about what is the possible outcomes of the meeting between an old brain and the smart technology we're uh, surrounded by. And that was the point where my daughter, seven years old, came home and asked if she could have a smartphone. Mm. Because I didn't know what the right answer to that question was. As a father, I was concerned about my daughter's health. And as a doctor, I wouldn't prescribe or do anything to anyone without having some kind of evidence that, hey, me telling you do this is better than me telling you not do this. So the consequences, uh, no one knew the consequences. Mm. And also, as a tech uh, entrepreneur, I knew that, hey, yeah, of course, it'll transform her into something. Yeah. But no one has the answers to a very simple question that actually hasn't been asked for the last 10 years. Um, is the way we use technology actually healthy for us or not? No one has asked that. And still, we're like uh, reaching six billion smartphones in the hand of mm. six billion people. And no one knows what the best or the most healthy way to use those smartphones is. I yeah. mean, no one, no one has the answers for that. Um, and that was what more or less made it clear to me that this was my mission. Because you can't solve this problem without knowing about uh, the brain, how that works. And you can't solve it if you don't know how the technology works. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix this problem in the coming years. So, so yeah, so that's what the book is about, that... Uh, offline and the subtitle is called um, "Free Your Mind of um, or Free Your Mind from Smartphone and Social Media Stress." 
Yeah. Cool. So I love that you're a medical, medical doctor mm. because often when I discuss this kind of stuff, people are like, yeah, but there's no evidence behind that. It might not be super healthy that you're constantly with your screen and so on. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that, what you've been able to find research-wise and so on? Yeah, so obviously, because we've only had smartphones for like 10, 11 years, uh, there's no long-term consequences. And I also discussed this with a professor in neurobiology, and he told me that, yeah, uh, soon there won't be any case control studies to make because no one is without a smartphone. So you can't really make, I mean, you can't, it'll be like uh, uh, against the uh, human rights if you try to like take people's yeah. phones away from them, <laughs> right? Um but that's interesting because we're just like overwhelmed with technology, but no one knows how to like deal with it in, a, in, in the best way. Yeah. Um, so my take on this is basically to see, okay, so we have an old brain. We, we have, so, so if I had to like make a diagnosis, I would start looking at how is this thing that you're, if it's a virus or if it's like a pollution around you, how is it affecting your basic um, human needs. You have some biological needs, you have some psychological needs, and then you have some like um, uh, uh, social needs or, or some needs uh, where the thing that you, you spend your time on has to have some kind of purpose. Uh, otherwise, that'll cause stress as well. And looking into how the digital world is affecting our ability to work, function as humans, you can see a lot of different um, symptoms uh, or, or you can see a lot of studies showing a lot of correlations. For instance, uh, like there's a lot of uh, biological symptoms such as sleep disorders, concentration problems, uh, mental overload. Uh, but, it, and yeah, I, I, I'm aware that we don't have um, like, uh, is, is, uh, is our social media causing loneliness or is it the people who feel lonely go use social media too much, right? Yeah. But, and those kind of correlations, you have like hundreds of hundreds of those kind of studies made that show this kind of connection. So I was just like, okay, so... And just for people that yeah. are not too much into scientific literature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have correlation yeah. and causation. Yeah, yeah casuality. Uh, so, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's the hen or the egg, basically. I mean, uh, what came first? Is it uh, people who are lonely who go to social media or is it people who use social media and becomes lonely? Yeah. Um, or and a lot of uh, uh, if you can't sleep, are you using your phone? And if you or is it because you're using your phone you can't sleep? Those kind of things. Yeah. To 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 detect the um, uh, what comes first, you have to create some kind of intervention studies where you like uh, you're doing this, and then you're like maybe a case control study where one uh, similar population is doing one thing and then you're doing something yeah, with the other populations, for instance, like removing their phones or telling them to do stuff, which where you can like go down and say, this is the single factor yeah. affecting this, uh, their uh, behavior. And by removing that risk factor, then you'll get a better outcome. And that's why it's so hard, yeah. as you just said, because yeah. you don't have the control group where no one is using a phone yeah. for 10 years. Yeah. So we can see correlations yeah. that we can see that people that use social media too much or yeah. a lot, yeah. whether what, how much too much is, is up for discussion, mm. but they are more lonely. So we yeah. can see a correlation, but we can say with 100% it is the cause. But there's a lot of things pointing towards that. Yeah, and that's me trying to use my um, common sense to look at what causes diseases. Yeah. 
what kind of processes cause diseases. Just to take one thing, you know, stress is often referred to as the uh, imbalance between the resources you have as a human being and the demands you're met with. I mean, mm. so your boss tells you to do this. If you don't have the resources to do it, then over time, if that imbalance is like uh, constantly uh, uh, or, or becomes chronical, then you'll be stressed over time. Yeah. Obviously, we have um, the acute stress, which is the one where you're like a high performer. You have to like really put an effort into run a 100 meters meter sprint. Then you'll be stressed, of, of course. But your ability to cope with this, that kind of stress is that um, you go back to normal again after, right? Mm. Uh, because you relax afterwards. Yeah. But if life becomes a constant 100 meter stress or 100 meter sprint, then your body and your brain is not built for that. And then you'll suddenly also start to not um, getting the relax you need, a relaxation you need, and the, those kind of things. So what I look at um, is that what makes this digital transformation work? What is it that it, it's running? Uh, what, what's the resource mm. being spent? Obviously, when you have a phone, you need electricity, but then it's just like f charged. What is it that makes the magic happen? Well, it's people using their brain to look at it, to interact with it, to basically use their brain to, to its mental resources. Mental resources, humans' mental resources are actually the, the, the raw material being spent in this digital transformation. And uh, the problem comes uh, when you work too, work too much and can't stop working. And if you don't get the brakes you have, it's just like driving a car. When do you know that you need to fill up the gas? You know when the gas meter tells you to, hey, you're running, you're running uh, dry, you have to go and, and fill up the tank. But you don't know that for your mental resources. When are you, when are you done? You don't. You, uh, and that's the problem because uh, the, the, and you also know where the brake is in the car. Mm. But you don't have a break, a mental break. I mean, often one of, when I have these lectures, I tend to ask people, um, so how many of you guys in here um, think about your job after uh, working hours? Almost everyone lifts their finger, right? And then I ask, how many of you get paid for thinking about your job? Mm. Of course you don't. Yeah. So why do you do it? Basically, the reason to why so many people walk around thinking about their job is because Starting out, it was a good choice, and then it became a routine, and now it's become an impulsive behavior. They have simply forgotten how to turn off, turn off, or leave office, yeah. because the job is in your brain, in your head, and the office is in your pocket. And that is one of the biggest problems we have. Where um, so in the, in the new book, we, um, we try to come up with uh, some words that uh, describes the problem because we're still stuck with words. We, 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 we talk about screen time, but it doesn't say anything about anything. It's like food. No, there are good food and bad yeah. food, like healthy food. And you, you become what you eat, right? And, but why don't we apply the same thing on how you use your phone? Because sometimes you have to use your phone to, for instance, record or film or uh, extend your memory, those kind of things. But um, we don't have the words for the damage or the, the possible harmful effects. And that's what we uh, invent uh, or, or come up with a proposal for. 
that um, using your phone in an unhealthy way um, is because that some kind of usage uh, can uh, be referred to as digital pollution. Yeah. Right? You understand exactly what I mean when I say pollution. That's like uh, something around you that affects you in a negative way. It could be air, it could be light, it could be noise, those kind of things. What do we do about pollution? Well, if somewhat, something started uh, annoying you or you started coughing, you would say, hey, stop that, right? And we make environments uh, or, or have regulations for what kind of environment you have to work in because we know that environments affect your, human, your, your productivity. Digital pollution has two components. One is the amount of data that you're exposed to as a human being that you have to process at all times, relevant, irrelevant, doesn't matter, the amount of data, basically. Because any every time you pick up your phone, your brain is working, right? Even if you just, I just need to check something, whatever. Then you're constantly uh, working and using, basically, it's just like heavy lifting for your brain. At some point, that'll cause uh, stress because uh, your restitution won't keep up the pace. That's the quantitative um, component of uh, this digital pollution I'm talking about. So the other thing is the, that's actually a bigger problem because that's like how does our use of these different platforms affect us? Um, see, to understand that, we need to see that... Um, so when you go to a gym, you go to use uh, different machines, lift them, because you want your interaction with them to benefit you, right? Get bigger muscles or become better condition, etc. But you have to put an effort into it and then you'll get the result of a greater body also. But the mental fitness that you're using, actually you can see any app that you use is some kind of uh, uh, machine in the gym. Mm. But the <clears throat> effect of using this app or this tool also naturally affects your behavior. Let's take a simple um, app that most people use or a simple uh, tool that most people use, like uh, Google. Um, we know from studies that uh, people who tend to Google a lot, actually every time they come across something they don't know, the first thing that comes to their mind is Google, right? So the thresholds for when you seek knowledge using like a tool is Google. That's okay. But the problem is also that even those times where you know stuff... You think about Google. You think about Google because the thing is that if you have thought second, like uh, put a little bit more effort into it, you don't because it's easier to use Google. That's like you taking uh, the... Uh, the, the, the uh, instead of taking the, the stairs... You constantly take the elevator yeah. or you uh, stop uh, using the bicycle because, hey, I have a private driver. What will happen to you? Yeah. Basically, what happens to anything that we don't use our brain for, it'll vanish. Use it or lose it. People can't remember phone numbers anymore. They yeah. can't, you know, navigate without a GPS. Uh, that's like, okay, so, hey, we'll just use the GPS. But what if those kind of... Um, downfalls of not using your brain for things that are important for you? What if, what if you can't relate to other people? What if you can't sit and focus? What if you can't concentrate? What if you stop being able to sleep? What if you uh, stop be, if you can't 
express your feelings for your loved ones. Yeah, because that's really interesting. So what you're saying is, we know from studies, I had a class at Harvard where yeah. a professor told us that taxi drivers, mm -hmm. you could scan their brain in London yeah. for GPSs. And the part of the brain one side was actually physically bigger. And yeah. There was more activity. So we know that works in that way. And then so you would, what you're saying is, when we also do that with social interactions, then we're suddenly perhaps potentially losing that ability to interact together. Yeah, because it's basically use it or lose it. Yeah. Uh, another thing where you can see, um, I've asked like thousands of uh, high school kids about, hey, uh, how's your how are your habits, right? One question I asked them was also, um, how often do you feel pocket vibrations without anything on? When you pick up the phone, there's nothing on, right? Out of more than 1,000 high school kids, like 56% experienced that. That's crazy. Because what's going on there is that your uh, brain has developed uh, an, a habit, meaning that, uh, or, or some kind of impulse or stimulus uh, response, where you, you don't even need a phone to be uh, distracted. I mean, that's technology really doing its... Uh, Uh, work. I'm not saying this is harmful. I'm just saying that everything you put your mind into is what shapes your brain. And a simple question, I think uh, that could be interesting for people to hear. That's just like, okay, so, uh, so, so, uh, okay, so I'll just ask you, okay, close your eyes. And then with eyes closed, think about the things that matters the most for you the things that you would do anything for. Mm -hmm. Okay, open your eyes again. Do you think about your phone? I, I thought about my family. Yeah. But when I opened my eyes, I thought about my phone. And that's exactly the thing which is uh, happening. Yeah, that's scary. Right? You didn't think about your phone, but if you look at how much time, how much interaction you actually have in your physical life, That's not with the, those who, who matters the most for you is the one who are best at stealing your attention. We're not living in what you call an attention economy. We're living in a distraction economy. So this, this was really interesting. So I thought about my phone. I love to, for the listeners out there, actually write in the ones that listened. How many of you also thought about your phone? So we didn't plan this, but, no. but the first thing I thought about was my, my phone when I opened my eyes. Yeah. And that is how... Technology so, shapes people's behavior. Yeah. And that's because our brain is actually... The brain we think we have, it doesn't exist. That brain we think we have, where we are in control, where we just, hey, I, I want to do this, I'll do that. Um, it doesn't exist. And that comes back to some kind of... Um, or some uh, theories. Uh, for instance, uh, Daniel Kahneman, for those people who, who are into uh, his books, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, He also won a Nobel Prize for the ones that didn't... Yeah. For, for describing human behavior um, and, and also our way of thinking. So basically, just to put it short, is that there are things that we know and then there are things that we do. The problem is that the things that we do is not what we should, yeah. <laughs> but the things that we know often doesn't uh, apply to our habits. So it's not, we, you, we, you can have the best uh, incentive and the best effort uh, and the best emotive, but you won't do it because you forget it because you'll just go back to the autopilot, basically. So this div division, uh, 
would be um, okay if it, if it was like 50% divided. Like uh, half of the time you do what you tend to do and half of the time you uh, do what you choose to do, right? But the real, in reality, most people, they, they, they are more like 10% consciously thought, uh, con consciously thinking, and rest of the time it's habit, impulses, uh, subconsciously driven uh, behavior, which is actually the problem because... Um, The way you interact with your phone is uh, sometimes it's intentional. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's something you do in specific conditions where you're in specific places. When you feel specific things like boredom, that becomes a trigger to do what you do when you're bored, pick up your phone. And the more time you do it, the more ingrained this... The stronger the habit becomes. Yeah, the stronger the habit becomes. Because what you're doing is actually... Um, You're training to become an impulsive, subconsciously driven customer yeah. without knowing it. And that's, in my opinion, is the biggest problem we see because it's not an issue if you use your social media platforms, uh, not even if you use them too much. The problem comes the moment and the day where you can't stop using them because then it's someone else being in control of your life. Yeah. And that's actually, in my opinion, the biggest issue we have at hand here, that in these years, what we're seeing is, um, and it's not like, uh, we also describe it very clearly in the book, um, it's not like there's some kind of madman sitting out there trying to uh, like uh, make the world worse or so. No, it's even worse, because this is the unintentional consequences between the, 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 between, in, uh, of the meeting between an old brain and this smart technology which is developed out of the there's an app for that philosophy uh, or uh, move fast, break things. That philosophy is what's causing uh, the problems. Think about um, what if uh, the pharmaceutical industry behave uh, the way the tech industry does? So you're sitting there, you're creating some pills and then you're like uh, uploading to them to the pill store, people start using them and then you can see, hey, People are stop using my pills. Ah, let's market this pill anymore. Then they'll eat some more without thinking about the consequences. Yeah. That's, but... Some people would argue that they kind of do that already. Yeah. But let's not go into it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, uh, the reason to why you still have some kind of uh, security yeah. that the pill you use is not one who's going to mess up your mind and, and, and make you unhappy or whatever, it's because... The pharmaceutical industry is so hard regulated and because someone else controls who gets uh, access to your mouth yeah. as a consumer, right? You have hard regulations, you have strict, uh, you have to uh, prove that your stuff works, that it's uh, better than not doing anything, right? Um, through phase one, two, three trials, it's so strict to, to get through with the um, pharmaceutical products. But technological products they do the same they mm. they, they they create uh, chemical uh, changes in the brain of people and uh, but they're they're the only ones who have un unlimited unrestricted uh, access to human brains yeah and that's why I think we really we need to have a, a wake-up call uh, because I don't think that anyone is uh, satisfied with this I, I saw an interview with even Spiegel Uh, a couple of, I think a month ago or so, uh, the founder of Snapchat. 
um, where he was asked uh, about his own kids' uh, screen time. Yeah, he doesn't allow them. Not too much. 90 minutes a week. Mm. I couldn't help wonder, okay, so here's the guy who've invented things like uh, the streaks, where we know for sure that there's a lot of kids out there who don't go to sleep because they're afraid of, hey, did I push send to get my streaks, uh, my 50 or 100 streaks I have to fill? The duty is that this usage of this uh, uh, friendship platform has induced in me, I mean, the, the impulsive behavior, he knows that it's contagious. He knows that it's habit-forming. And that's where I, I start to think about, hey, it's not right. If you have this kind of power, you should use it to do something better. And uh, that's why I, I, I think that we really need to have um, to get the attention of these people because they're basically the only one who, who can make people f become better people. So what can we do ourselves? Now that we have this knowledge. Yeah. Uh, basically, we can learn how to plan against our own nature. Yeah. That sentence is so crazy and outrageous when you hear it first. But you should start out by acknowledging that you're not in control of your own life. The thing is that when I ask, it doesn't matter who I ask. If I ask high school teachers, um, school leaders, uh, key account managers, high school kids... I ask them about their behavior and then finally I ask them, okay, so who controls your life the most, you or your smartphone? 100% say, hey, I'm in control myself. And that is the biggest problem because then you're what you call uh, unconsciously incompetent. Mm. You don't know what you don't know. You can't fix a problem if you don't know you have it and, or, or the, the size of it. And that's where we are Today, we need to understand that it's not, it's not irrelevant how we use our phones. It's not irrelevant um, why we use it. It's not irrelevant um, um, what will happen if we don't change our behavior. Um, and the thing is that everything I've said can be, can people be made conscious about by closing their eyes and think about the most important thing in their lives. And then the next question is, am I using my time on what's important or do I have, or have I developed some habits controlled by others? Mm. So if we start by acknowledging that we're not in full control of our life, <laughs> that we are very much driven by habits and there are different actors or stakeholders that have a very big interest in whether it's our phone our food that also have a exactly. big impact on microbiome. Yeah. But in regards to technology, what would be yeah. some of the first steps? Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's called, uh, you can see, call it a digital self-defense, right? Yeah. Uh, again, back to the martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> We need to have, uh, uh, take the black belt in humanity, basically. So yeah, so what you need to do is to like deal with these kind of um, uh, issues that uh, you're uh, facing, um You need to understand that in order to change your um, your behavior, there's one fundamental ability that humans need to dive deep into. First of all, uh, impulse control. Your ability to say no to instant gratification is so fragile, but also the most the only defense you have. So I actually kind of I try to practice that. Yeah. So I don't think it's a secret that I fully buy into how do we need to stay away from technology as well? So I also feel the, the urge sometimes to take yeah. my phone. 
But before taking up a turn on, I try to stop and like, why am I reaching out for my phone now? Yeah. Do I really need to turn on? Is this really important? Yeah. And often, several times I found, why should I go into this app now and yeah. like put it back? Yeah. But just becoming aware of that, yeah. I still I, I still get my phone up before I get to think about it. Yeah. So, okay. So the, I'll show you my background screen, right? Yeah. And then you can translate it and tell people what's on it. So it says, why am, why am I in your hand? Question That's mark. the only thing I see, right? Yeah. Because that makes it becoming an impulsive behavior into a conscious, yeah, you're, you're in the hand now because I can't control myself. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's basically some of the things that we, we need to deal with. And you're completely right because actually what I found out is that you can actually use the same method that behavior design is being used for, like uh, uh, the motivation, the accessibility, the trigger, uh, BJ Fox model, which we also really dissecate in the book and, and explain how to use it for yourself. You can actually behavior design your own behavior. Obviously, um, you basically, there's three simple things you need to know if you want to change behavior. Why should I do it? When should I do it? And, 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 or how should I do it? And when, sh- when should I do it? Um, so you also have this, uh, the, the, the saying about how to change people's behavior. You just need to put hot triggers in front of motivated people. Yeah. That's the secret sauce in anything that creates addiction. You just, and you just have to um, make people choose something and then when they, and, and repeat the usage until it becomes a routine. And after that, if you, they still use it because it's a routine, then suddenly at some point it'll become an impulsive behavior. But that's the thing I want the companies, the tech companies to consider because if I ran Facebook, I could make the world better tomorrow. How would I do it? Well, I would say, because I know at this point when people go to sleep, right? I will say, hey, um, it's nine o'clock, mate. Yeah. You should go to sleep now. So I'm turning off your Facebook account. Have a good sleep. In case your family from me, best uh, Mike Zuckerberg. That would be the way to deal with uh, solving human sleep problems and when you do that what happens is that that person next day wakes up more relaxed with more mental resources and he's uh, more capable of solving the problems that he needs to deal with and that's um, and that's in my opinion what um, what what it's what technology should be about helping people become a better version of themselves instead of letting uh, technology use humans to create bigger companies. And what more can we do as individuals? So, for example, having the screen on that says, why am I yeah, in yeah, your yeah. hand? Or yeah. I, put my fo- I turn my phone off on fly mode yeah. at around 10. Yeah. I aim to do it at 10. Yeah. It's not always. I put it in my living room for charging. Yeah. Yeah. So that I don't have the phone. I used to always wake up, especially when I was a management consultant yeah. in Deloitte. The first thing I did, turned around in my bed, turned on, looked at what emails had come in. Yes. And that's because, a terrible way to start the brain. Yeah, it is. But actually, your brain hadn't gone to sleep. You, it wasn't a start. Your sleep was a distraction from your work. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that I came home before I went to bed. I mean, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing we're training our brain into, that uh, the sleep is just like a break. Think about your smartphone um, quickly becomes like a chess clock. It's always your turn. 
because there's always something, there's always a move to make. And that's the problem because when is the game finished? No, you're always in the game. And that's the problem because someone is like earning money by making you constantly go back instead of you being in control of what's important for you. So those are some of the important questions that we need, you need to ask and uh, also need to like deal with. And, and, and the better we become, just, uh, I would say what people should do. I can't uh, hear as a doctor also because I don't know. I know that telling people what to do doesn't work. The only thing you can is to make people help people help themselves. I'm not the one who's going to take my phone and put it in the living room. It's you. Hmm. But only if you have the why should you do it how should you do it? And when should you do it? If those things are not in order, your ability to do it, it'll just be like uh, uh, the New Year uh, resolutions. Mm. And New Year is just a good frame for habit forming as uh, Las Vegas is for marriages, right? Yeah. Sounds better than I think <laughs> it lasts. So that's how we should uh, think about um, behavior. Yeah. You need the most important thing in your life to be the reason to why you should change your behavior and you should also think that you only have the most important thing you have in your life the most important resource is not time and it's not even attention anymore it's undivided attention because you can sit and talk to people without being there because if you don't reflect about what they're telling you and you won't because we know that if you have a, a, a phone which is turned on in your sight then the golem part of your brain will be waiting to, uh, to touch the pre precious one, right? And we also know that from studies that you actually lose like 10 IQ points if you have a, a phone in your, uh, in your uh, uh, sight. Okay, so just like when you... Yeah. I read the study or heard about the study that if you got emails popping in constantly, yeah. London University did the study yeah. that you lose 10 IQ points. And I think the really fun part was if you smoke marijuana, hmm. you lose four IQ points. Yeah. So the homie sitting next to you, sitting and smoking weed, yeah. might be more productive than you are with getting all these inputs in all the time. Yeah. That's quite scary. It's well, 36 scary. hours of sleep is the same as yeah. 10 IQ points. Yeah, and distractions uh, actually also make you uh, think like an eight-year-old. Yeah. Right? And, uh, so what do you do? Yeah. You have the screen that says, why am I... Yeah. Why am I looking at this yeah. right now? Yeah, so what I do is um, to create some uh, boundaries for myself, but it's really, really difficult. Um, um, I've, I've uh, given my kids, they're like 10 and 7 years old, they have uh, vetoes for being able to, like, uh, they can always get my attention, but I've just told them, that first, sometimes you have to get it first. I'll always, you, you're always more important than anything else that I'm doing but you should just get my attention first. Um, and also, uh, I, I, I... That goes back, I was yeah. curious, did your daughter get that smartphone or not? Yeah, she did. But okay. uh, after I, read, I wrote the book, and then one year after um, having a smartphone without a SIM card, where I tried to like uh, tell her about, teach her how to use it, I mean, how to get some, a text or how to, which apps to download or which she shouldn't, etc. And then when she got the um, SIM card, uh, I managed to get uh, a cell ban totally on her school. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I actually, I thought... So the other kids were very happy. Uh, yeah, I think I'm like uh, uh, 
doctor uh, offline or something like that. The the, the one they the boogeyman. Yeah. Now, but but it's because of, we also know now there's been some studies made that the more rest- the more restrictions you have on a school in terms of digital screens and usage, etc., the better the social environment becomes. Also in the uh, 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 breaks between the lessons. So I think that was a good thing to do. Again, create an environment where it's distraction-free and where you can focus and, and, and socialize with other kids, right? Um, so yeah, she got the phone and still now we're like in... The, the, try Every single app she downloads, I have to like... Uh, approve. Approve it, yeah. And uh, every time she's sitting on, on... If she comes and asks... We, we don't do screen times because it depends on what you want to use it for. And then I have like, uh, it's just like candy. We have uh, this concept in Denmark called Friday candy. It's like, hey, yeah, it's only on Fridays you eat candy. But we also, in our, at my house, uh, we also uh, have Friday apps. Some apps are not good because there are no calories in them. They, they don't, they're just made to, they're filled with uh, uh, artificial uh, stuff to make you like come back again and again and again. It might be fun. But if it's addictive, how much? I mean, you should. And as a parent, I think anyone with kids should um, obviously read my book, but they should actually sit and watch the things that your kid do on the screen and and, 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 talk, and, and talk with them. Why do they think this is funny? Or, or uh, And also think about, okay, so uh, the people who created this uh, app or this service, what is it that they want with my kid? What is it, What kind of behavior is it that they want? Is it If it's just like the more the merrier, then you could just as well send your kid to Las Vegas. Mm. So what are some of the apps that you only have on Fridays? Yeah, well, that's all the games, you know, uh, the things. Um, Angry Birds. Yeah, no, I, I don't uh, use those kind of apps any, anymore because I know that uh, at some point I was like, also for me, I mean, this is like uh, before I wrote my book, I, I had, I, you know, look, I'm a doctor, but some nights I could be playing games until I fell asleep with the phone in my hand. But after I like dove uh, deep into this, uh, I mean, I have this, this, I hate it when I have to, have the phone next to me when if I'm in a hotel room or something like that, uh, if I'm alone, because I constantly use it because the moment you get bored, you have uh, an alternative and then you can't focus on reading a book because the, you know what the problem is with the world? If you get too uh, occupied with your phone, the problem with both books and other things is that they're not about you. And that's basically what our phone is training us into yeah the so me thing is not about social media it's about it's so me yeah <laughs> the thing is so me that you becomes like not uh, irrelevant for me yeah so you have apps friday you have the thing on yeah. your phone and what else do you do yeah so um i tend to also put up some um Uh, rules for me posting of, on social media um, I have some it has to be relevant it has to be I have an obligation for those whose attention I'm stealing I'm thinking I'm, th- I'm thinking is this something I could have said in a, in a doctor's medical consultation if not it's not going to go up there because I'm using the otherwise if I start just uh, there's a very thin line between me trying to help people and me trying to be seen by people 
right? I think that's a very, very important point. Yeah. So, but it's very hard. It's so, so it's difficult, especially LinkedIn. Yeah. So, I read an article as well where someone was like, "Are you posting just like see me, or are you posting something that can provide value?" Exactly. It's a lot harder to post things that can actually provide value. Yeah, and, and that's if you have. You shouldn't have nine see me mm. or one value. You can mm. have nine value, and then you can have one potentially see me. Yeah. But that that mix and that definitely made me post less. That mm. I just had to think more about okay, am I actually providing value? Or how can I make sure this post provide value for the ones reading it? So it's not just more pollution. Yeah, and and you're very right on that because what we see a lot these days and what causes this pollution is basically because what we we get access to on the social on social media because of the uh, easy access is basically drafts. This is people drafts mind. I mean, this is the draft that should have become uh, uh, that would have been uh, like uh, that would have reached uh, a, a conversation in a in the real world. So if you think it, you post it, but that's a problem because hey, uh, who who would say stuff like that in the real world? No one would, and that's because words they're like a filter. Thoughts. If you don't have a filter, then the thoughts you have, and you train yourself into just like posting whatever comes to mind, then it's obviously a better a business model to make systems that promotes uh, uh, emotional posts because. You know from studies that negative posts, uh, they go more viral because they engage more. So it's a better business to make a lousier world yeah. with uh, more negative uh, uh, views uh, on, on, on stuff. That's a better business. But that sucks. I mean, they should do better. They can do better. Um, <clears throat> so what are some yeah. of the other things that you do? Yeah. Think about what you post. Make sure it's relevant and it provides some value yeah. for people. Um, and then, of course, uh, what I also do is uh, to try and uh, create rituals around uh, relations. I mean, to, to, because, again, um, if you want to be able to focus on things that are important for you, like your family, like your job, like whatever, you need to create some rituals around it. So when I go home, I put my phone uh, away the same place every single day. And uh, the first meeting I have uh, with my kid, I hug him, talk to him, you know, those kind of things. And then I also have like uh, every single day I have an obligation that I've said every single day. My obligation as a father, as a husband is to make my family feel that I love them. Hmm. Because... Many people walk around, and we have like also the same question at home, uh, where we tend to ask uh, our kids, uh, so do you know mom and dad loves you? That's a normal question, right? But actually, they're supposed to say, no, we can feel it. What if you ask your kids or your family, can you feel my love? What if they said no? There's a big difference between knowing you have friends, for instance, and feeling you have friends, right? That's because the way we're trying to solve or, or fill the needs we have as humans, I mean, it's not being met by this um, uh, digital world. Touching a human and touching a phone is two different experiences. And talking to humans in the real life and interacting with strangers online are two different things. It's like trying to eat gum when you're hungry. It won't satisfy your need. And the thing is that what you will do then is that you'll feel hungry and then you'll eat more gum. 
Mm. This is what we try to do. We try to solve emotional needs by having a lot of friends online, etc., and interacting with them. But it doesn't fill the void we feel inside. That's why you can have like every fifth Dane is feeling lonely. But how can that be? Because every uh, all your friends are in your pocket. And that's because it's not the same. No, no, it's definitely different. I was play. I'm, I'm trying to meet more with my friends after working a lot, and I still love to work. But mm. I, I know that I have to pay more attention to meeting with my friends instead of only social, for example. And now I play football with some of my friends in the morning, seven to eight in the morning. Yeah, it's a totally different feeling. Of course, having played football with them for an hour. Yeah, much better than yeah. an hour conversation over the phone or something else. And, and that's the thing. If you have a sensation of uh, interaction being um, superficial, yeah, you did that. It's like Killer, I was here, right? Check. I have been social today, but what did you actually do? Yeah, you touched a screen and you saw what other other people's touches on their screen did to your screen. And then you made up your imaginary friends. Like uh, that, your brain didn't feel the sense, it couldn't smell it, it couldn't the non-verbal uh, interaction and all that uh, stimulation you can feel wasn't the same. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I, and you said actually pay attention, right? Attention is a resource. You have to care for it. Undivided attention is the only last important and valuable resource we have left. So think, cons consider uh, who is uh, worthy of it. Who you should pay your undivided attention to? Who earns? Who needs it? So, do you have special times that you go to social media, or you use emails? No, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, hey, I'm not not at all a saint, and anyone who follows me on social media would know that. Um, but hey, I'm struggling as anyone else. The thing is that I just know, just like a doctor, who do I mean, they live their life again, things that we know, and then there are things that we do, right? I know this is happening and I hate myself for doing the things that I know is wrong. But again, trying to change your habits is a matter of uh, discipline and um, about not being too stressed and those kind of things. And then suddenly you and I recently, or at this point, I don't have Facebook and Twitter on my phone because they make me primitive. Yeah. I get. I mean, you have, that's an app for you getting uh, losing your mind. That's Twitter app. How can you have a conversation with other people on 140 characters? And that's. I think it's making us more primitive, and that's the business model. The more impulsive people you get, the harder they'll have saying no to your product. Yeah. But that's also the same, an evolutionary U-turn, because what made us get this far as humans was the ability to. Relate and social interactions and concentration and postponing immediate needs, all those things. And that's what actually is at stake these days, in my opinion. Yeah. Are there any other things that you do yourself to try and stay sane in this? Yeah, digitally polluted world. Yeah, yeah so uh, I try to... Yeah, I, hey, yeah, so that's the thing. I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I work, I, I'm trying to... Um, identify and understand this problem as best as possible and as deep as possible to create the solutions for it. So I'm building a lot of digital products right now uh, to to deal with the problem based on this understanding I have and this um, 
um, and, and the real brain, the real fragile brain that anyone who's listening to this podcast has needs help to become a better version of yourself. And uh, yeah, so uh, uh, if you want to know more about this, of course, you can uh, link, find me on LinkedIn uh, or, or, or my homepage, uh, com, or uh, the book's homepage, which is called humansbeforetech.com. Yeah, as well. Yeah, and then, into then the show notes as well. So yeah, and and the book, of course. Uh, yeah, and I would also say that we just it just came out like a couple of uh, weeks ago, and we're already starting to see a lot of Amazon reviews, etc., with five stars uh, coming Got some in. Really good reviews. People yeah, are really yeah, they're enjoying the it. Yeah, and and that's the same feeling I would have if I'd helped a patient. Yeah. So this is not an entrepreneur or uh, 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 or or a Author, I'm basically a doctor just using understanding about technology and uh, being able to to pass on this knowledge through uh, the radio right now yeah. to help people. Yeah. So people who ask me, so don't you miss your patients? No, I don't. I just expanded the consultation. So this is actually me trying to fill up the, the, the initial vision that being able to use technology to help people help themselves. Yeah. This is what we need help with. So do you meditate? Um, no, uh, I don't, but uh, I have a lot uh, through the 16 years I did martial arts. Uh, of course, we had a lot of similar practices. Uh, uh, when I, what I do and where I feel that kind of need is, um, is uh, when I have uh, showers, long showers, because that's where my ideas come up. And also um, uh, when I hug my kids. We have like songs we hug to. Yeah. We have special songs. Whenever that song plays, we sit and hug for like three, five minutes. And the way we hug is that we think about each other. Because relations are only something, uh, only expands if you fill it with love or, or the hormonal stimulation. So a physical hug yeah. where you hug each other or just... Physical hug. <clears throat> yeah. Sitting so close and just listening to the song and thinking about each other. That's our way of like filling the emotional void and being close. Yeah, and being close. Yeah, that's what's it about. Yeah. Try to try to make a habit to hug people you love more than two minutes instead of just hey, I see you later, and then like a shoulder in their stomach or <laughs> try to hug people just and sit and, and and feel feel it because that's what we need basically. Yeah, your phone won't give you that feeling. No, <laughs> I guess that's only when we do our loved ones. And people often take that for granted. They do. Very fast, and then you suddenly don't hug as long. And that's the thing about moving. Newly love often yeah. do it. but Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, so let's just if, uh, end uh, this episode with talking about two hormones at play. So we have uh, one hormone that we, um, um, that's like a we hormone. It's called oxytocin. It's the one that comes when a uh, mother loves her kid and when the skin touches those kind of things uh, and a newly born baby put on your stomach then uh, it'll feel the sensation and feel loved etc the mom her brain was also uh, received this oxytocin level uh, increase and then her uh, the breast will get milk basically mm. so i love you give him some food basically in that uh, equation um, but oxytocin is so important because we know from the world's longest study in life quality that um 
the one thing that matters the most for people having a good life is uh, deep and near uh, relationships to other people. Deep and near relationships means oxytocin stimulation on a regular basis. So that that is better uh, correlated uh, to um, life quality. On the other hand, but but you need people to get that basically. So on the other hand, you have uh, dopamine. Dopamine is a me hormone. It's you don't need other people to like uh, eat or uh, <coughs> masturbate or uh, candy or uh, play uh, with your phone or even social media. The things you get instant gratification feels good right now. Those are the two things driving human nature. Us, me, or us. And uh, right now it seems like... Uh, dopamine is winning. Dopamine is winning. Yeah. But humanity is losing. So we'll have to do something about it. We are. One thing is getting the message out here. Yeah. Another thing is for the listeners listening to the book or reading the book. Is yeah. it on an audio as well? Uh, it'll be, but it's not yet. Okay. But that's going to come up. Yeah. Perfect. Imam, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.